0: Chapters 14 to 17 of Book 6 of History of Animals by Aristotle. Translated by Darcy Wentworth Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 14 Marsh fishes and river fishes conceive at the age of five months as a general rule. AND DEPOSIT THEIR SPAWN TOWARDS THE CLOSE OF THE YEAR WITHOUT EXCEPTION. AND WITH THESE FISHES, LIKE AS WITH THE MARINE FISHES, THE FEMALE DOES NOT VOID ALL HER EGGS AT ONE TIME, NOR THE MALE HIS SPERM, BUT THEY ARE AT ALL TIMES MORE OR LESS PROVIDED, THE FEMALE WITH EGGS AND THE MALE WITH SPERM. THE CARP SPAWNS AS THE SEASONS COME ROUND, five or six times, and follows in spawning the rising of the greater constellations. The chalcis spawns three times, and the other fishes once only in the year. They all spawn in pools left by the overflowing of rivers, and near to reedy places in marshes, as, for instance, the foxinus, or minnow and the perch. The glanis, or sheetfish, and the perch deposit their spawn in one continuous string, like the frog. So continuous, in fact, is the convoluted spawn of the perch that by reason of its smoothness, the fishermen in the marshes can unwind it off the reeds like threads off a reel. The larger individuals of the sheetfish spawn in deep waters some in water of a fathom's depth, the smaller in shallower water, generally close to the roots of the willow, or of some other tree, or close to reeds or to moss. At times these fishes intertwine with one another, a big with a little one, and bring into juxtaposition the ducks, which some writers designate as navels, at the point where they emit the generative products and discharge the egg in the case of the female and the milt in the case of the male. Such eggs as are besprinkled with the milt grow in a day or thereabouts, whiter and larger, and in a little while afterwards the fish's eyes become visible. For these organs in all fishes, as for that matter in all other animals, are early conspicuous and seem disproportionately big. But such eggs as the milt fails to touch remain, as with marine fishes, useless and infertile. From the fertile eggs, as the little fish grow, a kind of sheath detaches itself. This is a membrane that envelops the egg and the young fish. When the milt has mingled with the eggs, the resulting product becomes very sticky or viscous and adheres to the roots of trees or wherever it may have been laid. The male keeps on guard at the principal spawning place and the female after spawning goes away. In the case of the sheetfish, the growth from the egg is exceptionally slow and in consequence the male has to keep watch for forty or fifty days to prevent the spawn being devoured by such little fishes as chance to come by next in point of slowness is the generation of the carp as with fishes in general so even with these the spawn thus protected disappears and gets lost rapidly in the case of some of the smaller fishes when they are only three days old, young fishes are generated. Eggs touched by the male sperm take on increase, both the same day and also later. The egg of the sheetfish is as big as a vetch seed, the egg of the carp and of the carp species as big as a millet seed. These fishes then spawn and generate, in the way here described, The chalcis, however, spawns in deep water, in dense shoals of fish, and the so-called tylon spawns near to beaches in sheltered spots, in shoals likewise. The carp, the balerus, and fishes in general push eagerly into the shallows for the purpose of spawning, and very often thirteen or fourteen males are seen following a single female. When the female deposits her spawn and departs, the males follow on and shed the milt. The greater portion of the spawn gets wasted, because, owing to the fact that the female moves about while spawning, the spawn scatters, or so much of it, as is caught in the stream, and does not get entangled with some rubbish. For, with the exception of the sheet-fish, no fish keeps on guard. Unless by the way it be the carp, which is said to remain on guard, if it so happen that its spawn lies in a solid mass. All male fishes are supplied with milt, excepting the eel. With the eel, the male is devoid of milt, and the female of spawn. The mullet goes up from the sea to marshes and rivers. The eels, on the contrary, make their way down from the marshes and rivers to the sea. CHAPTER fifteen. The great majority of fish, then, as has been stated, proceed from eggs. However, there are some fish that proceed from mud and sand, even of those kinds that proceed also from pairing and the egg. This occurs in ponds here and there, and especially in a pond in the neighborhood of Nidus. This pond, it is said, at one time ran dry about the rising of the dog-star, and the mud had all dried up. At the first fall of the rains there was a show of water in the pond, and on the first appearance of the water shoals of tiny fish were found in the pond. The fish in question was a kind of mullet, One which does not proceed from normal pairing, about the size of a small sprat, and not one of these fishes was provided with either spawn or milt. There are found also in Asia Minor, in rivers not communicating with the sea, little fishes like whitebait, differing from the small fry found near Nidus, but found under similar circumstances. Some writers actually aver that mullet all grow spontaneously. In this assertion they are mistaken, for the female of the fish is found provided with spawn, and the male with milt. However, there is a species of mullet that grows spontaneously out of mud and sand." From the facts above enumerated it is quite proved that certain fishes come spontaneously into existence, not being derived from eggs or from copulation. Such fish as are neither oviparous nor viviparous arise all from one of two sources, from mud, or from sand, and from decayed matter that rises thence as a scum. For instance, the so-called froth of the small fry comes out of sandy ground. This fry is incapable of growth, and of propagating its kind. After living for a while it dies away and another creature takes its place, and so, with short intervals excepted, it may be said to last the whole year through. At all events, it lasts from the autumn rising of Arcturus up to the springtime. As a proof that these fish occasionally come out of the ground, we have the fact that in cold weather they are not caught, and that they are caught in warm weather, obviously coming up out of the ground to catch the heat. Also, when the fishermen use dredges, and the ground is scraped up fairly often, the fishes appear in larger numbers and of superior quality. All other small fry are inferior in quality, owing to rapidity of growth. The fry are found in sheltered and marshy districts, when, after a spell of fine weather, the ground is getting warmer, as, for instance, in the neighbourhood of Athens, at Salamis, and near the tomb of Themistocles, and at Marathon, for in these districts the froth is found. It appears then in such districts, and during such weather, and occasionally appears, after a heavy fall of rain, in the froth that is thrown up by the falling rain, from which circumstance the substance derives its specific name foam is occasionally brought in on the surface of the sea in fair weather, and in this where it has formed on the surface the so-called froth collects, as grubs swarm in manure, for which reason this fry is often brought in from the open sea. The fish is at its best in quality and quantity in moist, warm weather, the ordinary fry is the normal issue of parent fishes. The so-called gudgeon fry of small insignificant gudgeon-like fish that burrow under the ground. From the phaleric fry comes the membras. From the membras the trichus. From the trichus the trichias. And from one particular sort of fry, to wit from that found in the harbor of Athens, comes what is called the and crassiculus or anchovy. There is another fry derived from the minus and the mullet. The unfertile fry is watery and keeps only a short time, as has been stated, for at last only head and eyes are left. However, the fishermen of late have hit upon a method of transporting it to a distance as when salted it keeps for a considerable time chapter sixteen eels are not the issue of pairing neither are they oviparous nor was an eel ever found supplied with either milt or spawn nor are they when cut open found to have within them passages for spawn or for eggs in point of fact this entire species of blooded animals proceeds neither from pairing nor from the egg. There can be no doubt that the case is so, for in some standing pools, after the water has been drained off and the mud has been dredged away, the eels appear again after a fall of rain. In time of drought they do not appear even in stagnant ponds, for the simple reason that that their existence and sustenance is derived from rainwater. There is no doubt, then, that they proceed neither from pairing nor from an egg. Some writers, however, are of opinion that they generate their kind, because in some eels little worms are found, from which they suppose that eels are derived. But this opinion is not founded on fact, Eels are derived from the so-called earth's guts, that grow spontaneously in mud and in humid ground. In fact, eels have at times been seen to emerge out of such earthworms, and on other occasions have been rendered visible when the earthworms were laid open by either scraping or cutting. Such earthworms are found both in the sea and in rivers, especially where there is decayed matter. In the sea, in places where seaweed abounds, and in rivers and marshes near to the edge, for it is near to the water's edge that sun heat has its chief power, and produces putrefaction. So much for the generation of the eel. Chapter 17 Fish do not all bring forth their young at the same season, nor all in like manner, neither is the period of gestation for all of the same duration. Before pairing, the males and females gather together in shoals. At the time for copulation and parturition they pair off. With some fishes the time of gestation is not longer than thirty days with others it is a lesser period, but with all it extends over a number of days divisible by seven. The longest period of gestation is that of the species, which some call a marinus. The Sarg conceives during the month of Poseidon, or December, and carries its spawn for thirty days. And the species of mullet, named by some the Chelon, and the muxon go with spawn at the same period and over the same length of time. All fish suffer greatly during the period of gestation, and are in consequence very apt to be thrown up on shore at this time. In some cases they are driven frantic with pain, and throw themselves on land. At all events they are throughout this time continually in motion, until parturition is over, this being especially true of the mullet, and after parturition they are in repose. With many fish the time for parturition terminates on the appearance of grubs within the belly, for small living grubs get generated there and eat up the spawn. With shoal-fishes parturition takes place in the spring, and indeed with most fishes about the time of the spring equinox. With others it is at different times in summer with some, and with others about the autumn equinox. The first of shoal-fishes to spawn is the atherin, and it spawns close to land. The last is the cephalus. And this is inferred from the fact that the brood of the atherin appears first of all and the brood of the cephalus last. The mullet also spawns early. The sap spawns usually at the beginning of summer, but occasionally in the autumn. The alopias, which some call the antheus, spawns in the summer. Next in order of spawning comes the chrysophorus, or gilt the bass, the mormerus, and in general such fish as are nicknamed runners. Latest in order of the shoalfish come the red mullet and the coracine. These spawn in autumn. The red mullet spawns on mud, and consequently, as the mud continues cold for a long while, spawns late in the year. The coracine carries its spawn for a long time, but AS IT LIVES USUALLY ON ROCKY GROUND, IT GOES TO A DISTANCE, AND SPAWNS IN PLACES ABOUNDING IN SEAWEED, AT A PERIOD LATER THAN THE RED MULLET. THE MINUS SPAWNS ABOUT THE WINTER SOLSTICE. OF THE OTHERS, SUCH AS ARE PELAGIC, SPAWN FOR THE MOST PART IN SUMMER, WHICH FACT IS PROVED BY THEIR NOT BEING CAUGHT BY FISHERMEN DURING THIS PERIOD. Of ordinary fishes the most prolific is the sprat, of cartilaginous fishes the fishing frog. Specimens, however, of the fishing frog are rare from the facility with which the young are destroyed, as the female lays her spawn all in a lump close in to shore. As a rule, cartilaginous fish are less prolific than other fish owing to their being viviparous, and their young, by reason of their size, have a better chance of escaping destruction. The so-called needlefish or pipe fish is late in spawning, and the greater portion of them are burst asunder by the eggs before spawning, and the eggs are not so many in number as large in size. The young fish cluster round the parent like so many young spiders, for the fish spawns on to herself and if any one touch the young they swim away. The atherin spawns by rubbing its belly against the sand. Tunny-fish also burst asunder by reason of their fat. They live for two years, and the fishermen infer this age from the circumstance that once, when there was a failure of the young tunny-fish, for a year there was a failure of the full-grown tunny the next summer, they are of opinion that the tunny is a fish a year older than the pelamid. The tunny and the mackerel pair about the close of the month of Ilafiboleon, and spawn about the commencement of the month of Hecatombion. They deposit their spawn in a sort of bag. The growth of the young tunny is rapid. After the females have spawned in the yuxin, There comes from the egg what some call scorduli, but what the Byzantines nicknamed the oxeds or growers, from their growing to a considerable size in a few days. These fish go out of the pontus in autumn along with the young tunnies, and enter pontus in the spring as pelamids. Fishes, as a rule, take on growth with rapidity, but this is peculiarly the case with all species of fish found in the Pontus. The growth, for instance, of the Ammiotani is quite visible from day to day. To resume, we must bear in mind that the same fish, in the same localities, have not the same season for pairing, for conception, for parturition, or for favouring weather. The Corsene, For instance, in some places spawns about wheat harvest. The statements here given pretend only to give the results of general observation. The conger also spawns, but the fact is not equally obvious in all localities, nor is the spawn plainly visible owing to the fat of the fish, for the spawn is lanky in shape, as it is with serpents. However, If it be put on the fire, it shows its nature, for the fat evaporates and melts, while the eggs dance about and explode with a crack. Further, if you touch the substances and rub them with your fingers, the fat feels smooth and the egg rough. Some congers are provided with fat, but not with any spawn. Others are unprovided with fat, but have egg-spawn, as here described. End of chapter 17